When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast, where we explore all things related to motherhood, from career and relationships to parenting and wellness. Join me, Nina Spears, your baby expert and host, as we dive into topics that matter to mothers, share personal stories and insights, and interview experts and parents who can provide valuable advice and perspectives. Whether you're a first-time mom just starting out or a seasoned pro, we've got you covered. So grab a cup of tea, sit back, and let's Chick Chat. Hey guys, welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, your host, and today we have Kelly Smith here to Chick Chat with us. Kelly is a globally renowned yoga and meditation teacher, founder of Yoga For You, and host of the chart-topping Mindful and Menace podcast and its spinoff, Meditation Mama. Kelly's successful show and accessible but a powerful approach to mindfulness have solidified her as a rising star in the world of yoga and meditation. In fall of 2023, Kelly published her first book, Mindful in Minutes, Meditation for the Modern Family. Kelly wrote the book with the primary goal of helping families of all kinds learn how to use meditation to cope with the everyday struggles of being a person who is also part of a family. Today, we're chatting with Kelly about mindfulness for modern families and activities to help ease the back-to-school transition for your family. So let's chit-chat and learn more. Hey, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to chat with you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here and just have a good old mom chat and just, you know, hang out. Absolutely. And girl, we were just talking about this. It's back to school season. I mean, the summer, it felt forever, but it didn't at the same time. Here we are. Kids are going back to school. So we are pumped to really learn how to get our families and our kids in a better mindset. And you are the guru. So we got to chat with you about all this good stuff. But before we get started, Kelly, we always like to get to know our guests a little bit more. Please tell us about you, your background, and how you ended up to where you are today. Sure. So I'm Kelly Smith. I am a yoga and meditation teacher. I'm also a mom of, we'll say one and a half. So I have a almost three-year-old and I have one that could be joining us at any point now, hopefully not during this recording. Uh, (laughs) So I have one and a half children. And I started as many people do, I started with yoga. And that was kind of my first step into mind body connection, the importance of slowing down, turning inward. And that then led me down a path of exploring meditation, which I really fell in love with. And for the last seven years or so, I've really been teaching meditation. And that turned into a podcast, which is called Mindful Minutes. It's guided meditations, which has led to a book and just really dedicating my life to helping others see how easy and not complex meditation can be, but also how profound of a shift it can create within you, especially as you navigate motherhood, because I've never needed a meditation practice more than when I became a mother. Even as a meditation teacher, I was like, let me tell you, now that I am a mother, 
we're doubling down. Now I really need it. (laughs) We feel that. Oh man. And Kelly, you have like this just soothing voice. So it just makes so much sense that you started your podcast for meditation. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I just feel so much more at peace talking to you. You have the perfect voice for it. But now I'm curious, like what was it when you got into it, you know, with yoga and learning about mindfulness and meditation that just sparked that passion in you? What was that? You know, honestly, it was because my students were talking about it and they were asking me about it. And I felt like I couldn't answer their questions. And I really started as sort of like, kind of like, you know, the fitness yogi, like doing the really powerful, hot, like spicy vinyasa practice. And I ended up moving with my now husband, but we moved to kind of, I call it a one bar, one Walmart town in Missouri there was more than one bar. There were like three bars, the one Walmart. And, and the people that I was working with there and the students that were coming to class, they didn't want that. They were there because they had really high blood pressure. They wanted to be able to touch, you know, put their shoes on without assistance. And I realized that if I was going to fully serve my students, I needed to to educate myself first. And this actually led to, I'll give the short version of it, but it led to then me finding a group of monks on the internet. And um, <laughs> this is uh, now the mom in me has to caveat that of like, <laughs> stranger danger, don't like just meet people on the internet. I felt good about this one. I met them on the internet. We were emailing back and forth about this particular style of meditation that they did. And they lived in Missouri as well, a different part. And they invited me to come live with them for a little bit and explore meditation. And I thought, well, this is an opportunity I will never get again. So I did it. My students were asking about meditation and I felt like I know the basics, but I can't really be a good teacher for them. So I thought, why not dive in head first? And I went and spent a couple of weeks living with some monks in the Mark Twain forest and started meditating all day long. And that truly was like the catalyst that then, because I was just one particular style that I was like, I need to learn more. Like, it just felt like I was just scratching the surface. And even to this day, I mean, that was probably seven years ago, but even to this day, I still sometimes feel like I'm just scratching the surface of like what you can do with meditation or like what it can unlock, but also like how profound and simple it can be. Oh my gosh. You really did dive in deep, like head first. And (laughs) I, I, freaks me out a little, but I also love it. Like that's so cool. My, my mom definitely, when I got there, you're supposed to take a vow of silence, which was really hard for me, you know, as a podcaster, we like to talk. (laughs) Um, But you also, you know, turned in a lot that includes like electronics. We weren't supposed to like journal or have books or anything, but I had to politely explain to them as my like 20, four 25 year old self. I was like, well, actually, um, I need to have access to my cell phone. Cause I promised my mom every night I would text her and let her know I was still alive <laughs> because she was like, I'm sorry, you're going to go do what? Um, so yeah, so stranger danger, everyone. And, um, now the mom and me understands why this 100%, just hundred percent a yes. little bit, uh, <laughs> wild, but they were very kind and accommodating and thought it was funny that they were like, yeah, that's fine. Like you can keep your phone. Just text your mom every night, let her know you're alive. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, that's, it was a little wild, but the things you do in like your early to mid twenties versus like your thirties as a parent to 
one and a half, just a different vibe. Totally. And that's the time to take risks. That's when you have enough time to like rebound back, take risks and do things that you're not going to get to do, especially when you have children. So good for you on like listening to your gut and following your intuition. And now, now look at you, you're in this whole era of mindfulness and meditation and we love it. And I'm now want to know with your personal experiences, like how has that shaped the advice you offer to your students and your listeners? Mm, That's such a good question. So much of what I teach just comes from personal experience. I think teachers in general, so much of what we as teachers, and we're all a teacher of something, comes from that personal experience. Because how can you really share something if you haven't lived it and experienced it? And I think that some of my biggest takeaways that I now share with my students is one, that meditation is a personal practice. So there isn't like a one size fits all. This is the one style of meditation. Do this for this many minutes this exact way and you will be this like mindful being it's kind of like you know how do you like people have different diets or different kinds of movement to nourish their bodies in different ways when you're working with the mind it's the same thing also i share a lot with my students my own personal practice is this thing that i say a lot is it's not that hard it's not that serious and i realized and you would think that even you know going and living with monks for a couple of weeks that it would be extremely serious And it kind of was, but also it wasn't like there was so much like lightness in their hearts and in their practice and being really like inquisitive. And, you know, it's not that hard. It's not that serious. And also letting your practice change as you change. So even though I joke, you know, I doubled down on my practice since I became a mom, which I did. It also having grace with myself and being like, you know, maybe I used to have 20 to 30 minutes a day to meditate before I had kids. Now I have 10, even though studies tell us 10 minutes is plenty, like not beating myself up over it. And just being like, you know, as my life changes and flows, the way that my meditation can serve me, that changes and flows too. And now that, you know, my little guy is getting older, then, and we start sharing it together. It's like, that's going to look different and just being really open and non-judgmental about what my practice looks like and how I let it support me. And that's beautiful how you just mentioned that how you're going to have your son do this with you and teaching him something like this. I think that's such a powerful thing to teach our children at such a young age that can serve them for the rest of their lives. How, how can parents and families benefit from doing that? from mindfulness and meditation, doing that together? There's so much benefit just in the idea of togetherness in general. And when I speak about kind of meditating together, or even talking about, you know, in different practices in my books, and although it says parent, from my experience, by and large, it's usually mom that tends to be kind of that like emotional, um, you know, (laughs) foundation for the whole family. And I find that a lot of times when you kind of spearhead this idea of togetherness, there's something really beautiful about connecting through mindfulness. So for little kids and like what we talk about, you know, my son isn't quite three, but we talk about a lot about, you know, what is your heart feeling? Or do you want to take a break and just take a deep breath? He also happens to be a hitter, <laughs> which is like, you know, I've heard from many parents including my own mom, where he was like, she was like, just be grateful that he's not a biter like you were, (laughs) that you get either like a hitter or a biter. 
mine likes to swing every once in a while. But, you know, talking about, do you want to take a break and just take a a breath and then decide if you still want to hit? And just kind of these little foundational things that I think when you're exploring them together, it creates this like depth between you and your child, even if it's just a very simple thing of like, oh, do you want to go take a break? Do you need to take a breath? Or how is your heart feeling? Or, oh, what are your hands feeling? If, you know, they're feeling like they want to hit and talking about those things, you're not only teaching them mindfulness practices, but you're teaching communication, which I think is such an essential piece of togetherness is kind of that open communication both ways. Cause I can use the same language with my son too and say, Because, you know, we all know, again, even as meditation teacher, let me tell you, there is nothing that a toddler, they have this skill. And I know anyone listening that has a child two or older, toddlers have this skill to make you feel like you are living in this like pressure cooker and you could just blow your lid sometimes. And they know how to do that one little thing that just makes you blow your lid. They're really skilled at it. And so then you can have that communication both ways and have that closeness, that togetherness and say, you know what, mom's going to go take her break. She's going to walk around the corner and she's going to take her deep breath and then come back. And I just think there's something really beautiful about togetherness. And there's a lot of you know research on the benefits of togetherness. Usually you see it around dinner time, but I don't see why you can't then have kind of like introspection or quiet time or turning inward. Let that be your togetherness as well, because you're sharing such kind of an open, soft piece of you with one another when you do that. Ah, I, and I love that whole message of togetherness. But not only that, you gave us, Kelly, some really solid things to be able to come back and say, like, how does your heart feel? Like, the, I just, you said them multiple times. And I was like, oh, those are really great cues to just, if you're not sure what to say in those moments when they're getting big feelings, just mm-hmm. to, to break it down. And also that awareness bringing, letting them learn about mind body awareness. That's what I'm getting from everything you say. And I think that that's, again, teaching them, Oh, how am I feeling rather than just reaction straight to reaction, but actually taking an internal look and saying, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And what can I do about it? Should I take a breath? Should I take a pause? I think this was just so beautiful. Thank you for all of that. And I've heard you say, Kelly, that meditation is not a one size fits all. And can you elaborate on that and how it applies to families? Yeah, absolutely. So meditation, the way I like to describe it is if you think about your mind as a light bulb, when you're walking around all day, living your life, doing your things, the light bulb's on, it's shining in all directions. When you meditate, you're turning that light bulb into a laser pointer. So you're taking all of that mental focus and all of that light energy in your mind, and you're focusing it on just one thing, but you get to choose what that thing is. It could be your breath. It could be, you know, your senses as you go outside for a walk. It could be, you know, a mantra that you tell yourself. It can be anything. So when you break down meditation to its foundation, It's just single pointed concentration, but then you decide what that point of concentration is, which when it comes to like families, I think you can really tailor that depending on what your family is going through in that moment. So when you think about even like back to school, right? I used to always kind of, yeah, get excited, but also kind of anxious when I was going back to school because it's like, you're seeing people you haven't seen for a while. You know, you're starting a new grade, everything like new can be really hard. Mm -hmm. And so 
when one member of the family is usually going through something, you all kind of go through it at the same time. And so that's where you can really tailor your experience and say, okay, we're kind of navigating anxiety right now. Maybe your kids are older. Maybe they're more like adolescents. I mean, how, I mean, you know, how powerful would have been as a, you know, seventh grade girl. I had this theory. We're all kind of like just formed like our middle school trauma. (laughs) Yes. But like, imagine if you had some of these tools in your toolbox, navigating like that time of life that just feels like such a question mark and so big and important and just so heavy. And you can really tailor what your meditation practice looks like or your mindfulness practice because they're related, but not necessarily the same, but both really powerful. You can tailor it based on what your family is going through or one of your kids are going through or what you as the caregiver are going through. Because we all know that, you know, a well-supported and cared for parent leads leads to a well-supported care for child. It's very easy to focus on, oh, my kid is experiencing anxiety I really want to focus on that, but kind of neglect our own needs. Not always. I'm sure you and your listeners are much more evolved than I am, but I, uh, okay, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, sometimes you just feel like parenting is like, you're just going in blind and doing the best you can. But I mean, I have a tendency to do that too. It's like, it's a cliche to say you can't pour from an empty cup, but it's like you just give mm-hmm. and you continue to give. And then all of a sudden you're like, there's nothing left for me. Exactly. And so navigating that for yourself as well as like, what do I need? How can my meditation support me? And that's how you can really tailor it to make it work for your life is that it's going to change based on what you experience. And you can just change that point of concentration with different techniques or exercises or guided practices that support you in that moment. I love that. Oh, I'm definitely going to use that. Just that point of concentration and how you can change that. Even I was going to say every day, but even throughout the day, if Mm -hmm. you know, something comes up and you need to adjust what it is that you're focusing on to be able to, you know, survive and thrive through it. I mean, I, that's such a powerful tool. And I love how you said back to school, because that's what we're talking about back to school. You know, it can be a time, like you said, of stress and worry for both parents and children. How can mindfulness help ease some of these common troubles specifically for children? So I think that kids, one, there's so much like they understand so much more than we give them credit for. So true. And I think sometimes, at least from my experience working with clients or students of mine that have kids, or I've even worked with older kids, you know, that it's often, it's not that they don't want to use these tools. They just don't know how. And they're so good at like grasp. Once they have it, they have it. And so I think about using mindfulness and meditation for back to school is kind of like smoothing out the waves a little bit. So this time in general, for everyone, it's, you know, because for parents too, for everyone, right? It's a big transition, but it's kind of just that up and down, like it's a little bumpy. It's there's these waves, there's these, you know, rush and then stop and you know, it's busy. It's, it's a little bumpy. And so I like to think about using meditation and mindfulness as a way to kind of smooth out some of those bumps. Not that's going to make it super smooth and, you know, smooth sailing all the way through that first month really of school where things tend to be bumpy, but you can smooth it out a little bit. And the same goes for your kids. So for example, if they're walking in 
to class on their first day, they're feeling really anxious about it. Like what's a little tool in their toolbox, which one of my favorites is you make your exhales longer than your inhales. This is a good one for anyone because it signals to your nervous system to kind of kick out of that fight or flight and more towards the rest and digest. It actually mimics what we do at night when we're feeling tired and relaxed. The reason we yawn is that it is a forced inhale because we're doing our exhales are getting too long. And so our body will force an inhale. And so you can mimic kind of that slowing down unwinding signal to the body by extending your exhales a little bit. And that's something that pretty much any kid, you know, if they can, a lot of times we'll say inhale for a count of four, exhale for a count of six, or maybe seven. If they can independently count up to four and down from six, they got it and they can do it. And then in those moments of like, oh my God, you know, that panic that you can feel or that stress, I use this one too. In those, you know, toddler moments, like last night, you you're welcome to take this out, Nina, if this is a little too real of a mom. <laughs> no, moment. never, never. My 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 toddler decided to poop in the tub. Yeah. And I was just like, and it was just one, you know, it happens in just a flash and you're like, oh, why? Okay, this is happening. <laughs> and just one of those where you're, <laughs> you know, and of course I was solo parenting and alone. And I'm like, oh, this is, and 36 weeks pregnant. I'm like, this is great. But even for adult, whether they're little or adults and you're like, oh, this is what's happening right now. That one quick little, just like, just a big breath in and a long breath out. It makes a huge difference in that moment. No one knows that you're doing it. And even something like that, put that tool in your kid's toolbox when they go to school and they have those, oh my gosh, moments before a test when, you know, if they're experiencing social anxiety, they can use it right then and there to help smooth out the waves. But I think it's also important to remind your children and to remind ourselves there's still going to be waves. They just might not be as intense. So how can we smooth them out a little bit in the moment? That is such a great tip because you're right. There are things pooping in the tub, you know, whatever <laughs> it, just, it is. I mean, it's fresh even, in my mind. And, and, and last night, I was like, really? Really? <laughs> Why me? Why right now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm even thinking, you know, as a as a doula, I'm like, that is what we teach during labor. Like those breaths. And here, this is applicable to you, 36 weeks pregnant. And yeah, give your it, breath tell me work. everything. <laughs> you know it, girl, as your meditation guru, you're gonna be so in tune with your mind and baby. It's gonna be beautiful. Oh, and, I don't know. You can I ask say. my uh my labor and delivery nurses. They'd be like, This woman does meditation, this crazy lady. <laughs> no way. But that's what I'm saying though. I, that's what we teach. Like breath is so powerful in labor. And so just to remind myself, like, okay, yes, there's a reason why that's so powerful during one of the most challenging times in a woman's life, childbirth. Why not use that throughout your days when things are challenging? And I love how you simplified it. If your child can count to seven, Like Mm -hmm. they can do this practice. And I think teaching that to them and doing some of those practices with them, that's a really great tool to set them up again for difficult times when going back to school and just difficult times throughout life. So I love, I love that, that tip. Thank you for that. And what is the best way? Is that the best way to introduce meditation to children? Or is there another way to really talk about meditation and this introduction of it to our kids? There's a couple of ways that I think work really well. And then I always encourage people like, you know, your kid best. So you'll probably know which one is like the one that will work best for you. The first is going to be like you personally setting up a meditation practice, make it a priority in your life and just let your kids see it. 
Mm-hmm. We often think about meditation as, and you don't always have to do it out in the open because like for me, that's my little like escape time, mm-hmm. right? So, but you know, every once in a while, do it. Kids are curious. They're going to be like, what are you doing? And then you can be like, I'm meditating. And then you can just start talking about it, right? Because kids are so curious and and they're oh, yeah. like, well, if mom or dad are doing it, then you know, they'll just be inquisitive. So that I think is one of the easiest ways to just kind of, and then you can invite them in and say, would you like to join me? Right. You can kind of do this. I recently heard something as we're navigating, you know, how to become a two child household (laughs) of this idea of like pulling your kids in instead of pushing them away Mm -hmm. and that you can do it. This was in the context of like, you know, if you're nursing your infant, pull your toddler in and say, Oh, would you, you know, would you like to help me? Or, Oh, would you like to read some books and kind of even this, you know, draw in motion. You can do that with meditation too and be like, Oh, I'm meditating. Like it's, you know, really helping me feel this way. And then you can draw them in and say, would you like to come and join me? And then leave it totally open. They can say yes or no. It's no right. problem. But either way, you've started a conversation. Yeah. And that makes total sense because like, for example, I don't know about you. I'm sure it happens. But whenever I'm eating something, your child wants what you're eating. <laughs> even yeah. if it's a salad. I'm like, you yeah. don't even like this. Why do you want <laughs> what I'm eating? Um, but they'll eat it yeah. because it's mine. Exactly. And so and so whenever they see and whenever they see their parents reading, that can encourage them to want to read too. If they see their parents exercising, that has a high, much more likeliness that they're going to be active um, children as well. So that just makes sense. That's a really great way to just start the conversation. Hey, what you doing? And saying like, oh, well, this is what mommy's doing right now. And and this is what it is and why I'm doing it. Do you want to practice with me? And because it's so true. They want to be like mommy and daddy or mm-hmm. mommy and mama or whoever's in the caregivers in the household. They want to be like you. And so just modeling it, that's the perfect way to start that conversation. So I love that. Yeah. And I think that's such, for me, that's one of the easiest ways, especially if your kids are younger and they're in that really kind of like idolizing their parents, their caregivers stage. I also find asking your kids what they know about meditation. If they're a little bit older, chances are they've come across it before. Maybe they've heard about it. They may even do a little bit like in their school or their sports or something. You can just ask them like, Hey, I've kind of been thinking about like this meditation thing. Like, do you, have you ever heard of this? Do you know anything about it? And you can let, you can just open up the dialogue that way. This that works really well for kind of like your really inquisitive little, like your little ones. We all know a kid like this where they're yes. like, Oh, you know, they just love to learn and talk about what they're learning. And then the third thing that I find works really well is kind of pitching this idea to your family of like, what if we created this little mindfulness practice, but then you guys create it as this little family ritual and studies tell us that even eight minutes a day is enough. So it can be this quick little thing, but it can be this new, fun, special thing that you guys create as a family. You can decide like, do we play a mindfulness game? Do we lay down in a quiet room for eight minutes before we read stories before bed? Do we have a special like little fort that we build and we sit in that and we do our meditation practice there. Like this, I find sometimes works really well for like multi-kid families because you can do this like fun together. You know, maybe you just decide that every day after dinner, you go on a family mindfulness walk where you go out in your you know neighborhood and you spend the first five minutes just being quiet and listening to your senses. And then you can talk about what your senses experienced. what did you see? What did you hear? Like you can make it this fun little family thing together. I find that works well, like I said, for multi- 
kid families, but also sometimes when you have a family and we fall into this to a degree of like, you don't always have a ton of time like together together. Like both my husband and I kind of work unique hours. And so we kind of, you know, do a handoff often. And it's really nice when we just do a little thing, just all of us. Yeah. And you can make it kind of fun and, and let your kids have a lot of input and be like, let's just give it a try. Yeah. And build your own little family time practice. I'm, I'm grateful that you gave several examples because when you said, oh, turn the lights off and be quiet before we do bedtime, I'm like, oh, there's no way my five, almost six-year-old would actually be quiet for 30 seconds, let alone a couple minutes. I mean, um, I'm like, my tub pooper around. wouldn't either. He'd be like, oh, how fun. Let's get, it's a rave. Let's get crazy. Exactly. That's why I was like, yeah, that ain't happening. But I, but I could see, hey, we're going to go on a walk and let's just listen to our senses and let's do, and pay attention to what we hear and see and feel for just a couple minutes. And it might not only last for just two minutes, but that's a great place to start because then they're at least moving their bodies and there's other senses to hopefully distract them. But that's, for me, I'm thinking that's a great way to get started with my child because just being like, hey, let's go in a fort and be quiet. He would just crash the fort and like, you know... (laughs) <laughs> I, was like, I think our kids would be work. friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No. So, and so these are really great examples of, you know, what other relaxation techniques, Kelly, can we arm our children with as we send them back to school? I love that counting breath work. Is there anything else that you recommend? Yeah. So one thing that I really like to do is there's this thing called a mindfulness jar that you can make. I write about it in my book, but also you can find it like on Pinterest. It's, I'm certainly not the first one to come up with this idea, but it's basically a way that you can teach your kids about quieting their mind or slowing down their thoughts. And it's like this little craft you can make where you take like a jar and you put some food coloring and like some glitter glue and some loose glitter and you kind of glue on the top. You can put other things in there too. And you shake it all up and you look at like just the chaos in the jar, right? Glitter's going everywhere. There's, you can put little shells in there. It's like really busy. And then you can teach them how either if they take a few deep breaths or something that I really like to talk about is this idea of like inhale, exhale, new moment. So, and I use this too, as an adult too, like in those really hard moments, you can just like take a breath in, take a breath out. Okay. It's a new moment when you're like, you know, when you just need to kind of get through something. You're like, this is going to last a few moments. Again, maybe it's because I'm preparing for birth again and I need to really embrace inhale, exhale. Okay. We're, you know, it's a new moment, but you can teach your kids about that too, right? Cause everything's temporary. Ty- yeah. You know, if they, yes. if they just can hit the pause button, even for a moment, it's then a new moment, but you show them kind of the chaos and those are their thoughts when they're really swirling. And then with time, it slowly starts to sink down. It all kind of like collects and the water can be clear and still again. And so I love to teach our kids about the idea of like, just, if you can just be patient, just a little bit of time Mm -hmm. when you're feeling that big kind of overwhelm piece, Mm -hmm. things can start to sink down to the bottom. Like your thoughts can start, you know, your mind can become a little bit more clear. Mm -hmm. And so I love to equip them with that basic idea of like things can settle. Yes. And if you just pause, otherwise you just keep shaking. It's just going to get crazier and crazier and crazier, but, but it can settle. And then the other one, this is for like my deep feeler kids. Sometimes this works well for when I say older, I mean like more like adolescents and into like teens is visualizing this little protective bubble 
around them. So when things feel like a lot, when they feel like they need a break, when, you know, when they're feeling a lot, if our, we have one of those beautiful, sensitive kids, I happen to have one, you know, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes, but teaching them how they can visualize. This also works well for like nightmares too, if anyone's navigating that, but visualizing just this little protective bubble that they can put around themselves. And it's like creating their little safe space within, they can create their little bubble and they can take a break within it. And again, these are things that they can do. No one needs to know that they're doing it. They can just do it on their own. They can kind of create their own little safe space and then find that stillness within their little bubble. I find that one to be really easy and powerful too for stressful situations. But nightmares, file that one away. Because then at night you're like, oh, you just create this bubble. And actually one of the editors of my book sent me an email. She was like, Kelly, I have to tell you, we, you know, my daughter was having nightmares and we did the bubble technique and she slept really well. Because you just visualize, you, know, you just create this little, this little protective bubble around you. That's so funny because you know what? We talk about that in labor, mm-hmm. that we call it a bubble of peace. It's in hypno babies. And we say, I need you. And we say that during pregnancy, you have to practice forming your bubble of peace. So when someone says a negative story about childbirth, when someone says, <laughs> you know, something about your body, when someone said anything that's yeah. going to interrupt your your thoughts and mind and and feelings about childbirth we say practice that bubble of peace so that when you go into labor you have this strong bubble and so when you get to labor if someone says something that might trigger something you're just in your bubble of peace listening to your mantras you're just meditating and being in that bubble so that's so funny that we literally <laughs> practice this during labor and you're telling me we can do this even beyond and with our kids so i i love that yeah and i you know that's so cool and i had never thought of it the other way in terms of like <laughs> Using it and, you know, you do definitely kind of go into like a zone. But the thing that I think there's so much overlap, like a lot of what we may have, like the tools that we have in our toolbox as adults could Mm -hmm. very well be applicable to our little ones Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But I think about all of this, like we keep using this word like tool. And I really do feel like it is just putting tools in your toolbox. And that's why we call it a meditation practice. We don't call it like a meditation perfect or, Mm -hmm. you know, a meditation end all be all. The idea is that the things that you quote practice during your meditation moments, then you're practicing for like when you actually use them in the real world. Right. Because if you're working on, you know, going all the way back to the monks, if you're working on cultivating this feeling of loving kindness and compassion for self and others, it is so much easier to do that when you're in this vacuum of like, I'm doing this every single day. I'm in a peaceful setting. I'm surrounded by, you know, people who've dedicated their life to it. But, you know, in those moments, you're, you know, four days postpartum and you're just looking in the mirror at like this, you know, beautiful mess that's in front of you. And you're like, what just happened? it is a lot harder to apply it in those moments. But if you've been practicing it during your meditation, that's when then it's like the test or like the real world application is when you take what you've been practicing and utilizing those tools for like the big moments when you actually need it. For sure. 
Oh, for sure. It's like a muscle that you get stronger and stronger. The more that you practice it, the stronger it is and easier it is to get into that space when you need it most. And I love that. And so back to school again, you know, another thing that some children will experience is separation anxiety. You know, they just Mm -hmm. don't want to leave their mommy and daddy. Um, Are there any (laughs) exercises or tips that you have for us to help our little ones just ease their, their fears? So there's two that I really like in particular. One is, first of all, I think talking about it in general and knowing, like validating your children that like feelings are okay. And kind of, it's almost this like, yes, and right. So if you can say, okay, you know, if your heart is feeling like it's really missing mom or it's really missing home and, or, you know, you're, you're worried about this or that, like your heart can feel this. And it's also okay to be in school or to be learning new things or playing with your friends. So kind of this idea of teaching them, like, how can I turn inward? Because emotions are complex, whether you're, you know, a hundred years old or one years old. And many emotions are, you know, we get to a certain emotion. If you think about like frustration, we don't usually just like wake up frustrated, right? It's different emotions that have then led us to the ultimate feeling of frustration. Same with like resentment or guilt, things like that. They're, they're complex. And so I think teaching your kids how to kind of, you know, hit the pause button, take a breath, turn inward. What is my heart feeling? And to let them know it's okay to feel that way. And you can do other things at the same time too. Kind of that mindful pause, that mindful introspection. Sometimes just naming it can be really powerful, even if they name it for themselves. So teaching your kids how to do that. And then there's this idea of, have you ever heard of like a worry doll? in the work that you do just from you, but no, I have not personally. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh wow, this is cool. But I heard, I learned it from you. So please tell us more about it. (laughs) So especially for your younger kids, like if they are kind of attached, like a certain lovey or any kind of like a little friend in quotations, I like to, there's an exercise where you basically can have like a worry doll and then you can have kind of like a courage or a bravery doll. And it's basically this idea where you can, And maybe this is something like if you have the means, you can go and, you know, make a big deal and go get these two new friends. And then you have your worry doll. So it's actually, it's an older practice. It comes from South America where they actually have these like tiny little, like teeny tiny little dolls that as adults, you can pour your worry into and then put them in their little box like at night so you can sleep without worry. That's how I was first introduced to this idea, which I thought was really cool. And so now like kind of simplifying it for kids is they can have this stuffy or friend or lovey that they can basically, it can absorb their worry. And so maybe if they're feeling anxious or worried or that separation anxiety, maybe before they even go to school, they can kind of sit quietly, hold that friend and it can like absorb that feeling for them. And then on the flip side, on a different practice, you can fill one up with whatever they feel like they need. You know, it can be a hug from mom. I travel for work sometimes. So we do that sometimes. I'm like, oh, soccer bear, who's one of our little lovies. I'm like, remember soccer bear is filled with mom hugs. So whenever you need one, you can just hug soccer bear. You'll get a mom hug. Or maybe it's courage or maybe it's, um, you know, secure. Your kid will tell you what they need. Mm -hmm. And then together, or if they want to do it individually, you can then hold that other friend and you fill it up with whatever they need. If they're allowed to bring it to school, they can bring it to school with them. They also, you know, they can hold it on the drive over to school Mm -hmm. or on the way back. But 
I found a lot of success in kind of these two. You have like kind of your worry friend or worry doll and then like your courage or whatever they need on the flip side. So sometimes for your littler kids, especially if they're really attached to just holding on to something, Mm -hmm. this works really well for them because then they can absorb whatever it is that they need from that friend whenever they need it. Oh, those are great tips. Oh gosh, Kelly. And actually, you know, my son is starting kindergarten in a couple of weeks and I found these bracelets. One has like, you know, all of the Marvel characters on it. And <laughs> another one is just a beaded bracelet with a heart. And oh. I'm going to say, you're going to wear your bracelet. I'm going to wear mine and I will wear mine remembering that you are still with me. And so when I push this heart on here, I can feel your hugs and you're going to wear yours. And so if you ever miss mommy or miss home, you can hold on to your bracelet and know that mommy and daddy are right there with you too. So even there's even things for older kids too. So I was just like, oh, there's so many cool things available Mm -hmm. to really help our little ones now. But I love yours, especially for our little ones who are attached to all the stuffies and lovies and all that kind of (laughs) stuff too. That's, That's so great. But I had to throw in mine because I was like, he doesn't want to bring a stuffy anymore because, you know, he's a big boy. So I yeah. found that. <laughs> oh, I love that. And, you know, playing off on that, there is one, a, a therapist of mine. Hello to Lindsay, my therapist. She once told me about something. She has kids where they kind of think of this idea of like an invisible string or an invisible thread. So like, you know, even though I'm dropping you off at school and I think there's even a book about it. There is. We um, have it. Yes. And so they like, they like that idea where, and her kids are a little bit older. So, you know, even bracelets or so, you know, they're too cool for everything, but when they really, when they really need it, they know that there's kind of that connection and that thread They can like give it, you know, a little tug and, and just think about kind of that heart to heart connection that one can have. And that's something similar that she shared and her kids are even older than our kids. So That invisible string could work too. Yeah. I love it. Such great tools and tips. And I think another thing that I want to instill in my children, and I'm sure you're feeling the same way, Kelly, is to teach our children compassion for other kids who may be struggling. So maybe your kid is you know, they're excited and ready and having no issue at all, but maybe they have a friend in their class that is struggling. You know, what can we do to, to teach compassion for, for moments like that? One of my favorite ways to teach this is building this thing called a compassion tower. And what you do is you basically like, you can get blocks, you can get anything, you know, my a lot of kids, we do this like in a kid's yoga class. You get like a bunch of yoga blocks and it's fun to, you know, stack them up, make this really tall tower. But basically you can share something that like would make you feel good. So I think sometimes, you know, kids have a tendency and this isn't bad. We as humans have a tendency to be self-centered. It's a part of our survival. So sometimes I find that if you start with like, what is something that someone could do for you in a hard time or a tough time that would make you feel loved or like make you feel good. And then they can say, you know, Oh, um, when something's really high up, you know, if someone taller gets it down for me, that's really helpful or whatever. Right. And then they can put a block down. Then they can say, now use your imagination. What's something, if someone else was having a hard time, what's one thing that you could do for them that maybe would make their heart feel happy or loved or appreciated. And then they can come up with something and then they get to add another block onto the tower. 
And you can kind of like take turns talking about these scenarios. And each time you come up with like an answer, you're like building on your tower. And it's also, you know, fun too, because who doesn't love building a big, tall tower? But I have found this idea of like building kind of your compassion tower and talking about these different scenarios. And you can say, oh, you know, just close your eyes and think, put yourself in that situation if they're having a hard time coming up with an answer and being like, you know, if, if you're having a hard time, this is my own personal experience. I happen to have both ADHD and dyslexia, which was undiagnosed when I was little. And I really struggled to learn how to read when I was little. And it was so, it was just so hard. Granted, like, you know, this was like, 25 years ago, even more than 25 years ago, learning how to read. And we schools didn't really know how to necessarily best support a student like me at that time. But it was just so hard. I just felt like, you know what, like, I'm just dumb. I can't do it. You know, really got in kind of that spiral. And if you use that kind of a situation and say, you know, what if one of your friends is like, you know, when you guys are working on your reading and like, it's a little bit harder for someone, what's something that you could do or maybe say that would make them feel better, you know, think about it. And then they can think about it and then answer and like add to the tower. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we all know struggle, but we don't all know the same struggle. And so I think sometimes in a mindfulness practice, asking them or talking about this idea of like, we all know a struggle. What does it feel like to be kind of, you know, lifted up in a struggle and on the flip side what does it feel like when someone kind of pushes you down in a struggle and like how can you make choices to kind of be that forklift versus like not helping or making someone feel worse so that's one of my favorite ways is kind of like the tower I love Um, that that is so cool because it's teaching them empathy at the same time Mm -hmm. and although compassion and empathy aren't the same I mean they walk hand in hand with mm-hmm. one another. And I, and often, and you know, I do think about this for my own child, but I would like my child to be both compassionate and empathetic and kind of have that <laughs> ability to kind of explore. I just find with little ones, like exploring the two together mm-hmm. often makes it click for them. Yes. Oh, definitely. I love that. That's a really great. And also, you know, parents might be like, oh, I've run out of things to do with my kid this weekend. Like I need some ideas. <laughs> well, this is an activity that you can do that's not only, you know, entertaining and fun, but teaching them a really like vital skill. And yeah, I just, these are, these are great, Kelly. These are gold and I love it. Oh, good. What, what resources would you recommend for families looking to incorporate more mindfulness into their everyday lives? So there's a few different things. One, depending on where you live, you may be able to find like local kids mindfulness or yoga classes or like parent and caregiver classes. If you're in like the Minneapolis area, I share some of those sometimes, but sometimes you can go and do, and again, this is great for like the, I've run out of things to do. It's like, let's, let's do, you know, mommy and me yoga. Let's get out of the house. Let's go do a thing. But depending where you are, so you can always look locally to see if there's someone that is offering like fun classes in this type of stuff. Pinterest is always a great place, especially if you have like a crafty kid, you can get like a mindful coloring page or get a little anything, a little, here's five yoga poses based off of animals. You know, we love Pinterest. We know her, we love her. 
what isn't on there. And then my my self-serving resource is I do the book that I keep mentioning. It's about to come out. It'll be released on September 5th, but you can pre-order it. So just in time for back to school, but it's called Mindful in Minutes Meditation for the Modern Family. And there's over a hundred practices in there that you can, it's kind of divided by like topics. So you can say, oh, we're working with anxiety. You can flip to the anxiety chapter. There's, you know, some reflections kind of like parent to parent. And then there's three practices, one for adults and teens, one for adolescents and one for little ones, and then some mantras for each topic. So you can also go there too and kind of flip to a page, pull something out. And there's a wide range of like activities, crafts, games, practices. So I really, with that book, I wanted to create the thing that like I would have wanted when I was raising my kid, like just easy to the point. How do we navigate this? What's a thing I can try with my kid? And also kind of, I try to share some of the messier parts of motherhood too, of like, you know, anxiety or self-worth, like those are chapters in the book and like they apply to our little ones, but also like they apply to us too. And like, how do we navigate that? So that's my self-serving resource, but it is very much, I created it with the hopes that it would just make this stuff easier. Cause again, so many people want to do it, but they're like, where do I start? Yes. Like, how do I do it? Or like, I don't have time to go become a kids meditation teacher. So I like to take the guesswork out of it and be like, you know what, here's this book. You can just open it up. I've done all the heavy lifting for you and you can just give it a try. See what happens. Hey, we love that. Thank you for that. We cannot (laughs) wait to read it. We can't wait. And just to be able to have a really cool resource that you list it all out. I love how you can flip to the different chapters of whatever you're currently struggling with. Like you said, anxiety or whatever with your child. That is just so cool, Kelly. We are so excited for you. We can't wait to see it. And any final thoughts or tips that you'd like to leave our audience with? I think my final thoughts are, again, it's not that hard and it's not that serious. That applies to me in meditation. It also sometimes applies to me in just parenting in general. Sometimes, though, it is that hard. So you don't need to like (laughs) trick yourself into being like, oh, it's not. Sometimes it is that hard, but it's rarely that serious. And so keeping kind of that lightness in your heart, whether you're exploring meditation or you're giving birth or whatever it is. And then I think also I always something that I wish I could share, like with every parent is that, you know, there's no better parent for your children other than you. And just every day, I found a lot of comfort in just every day being like, I tried my best and I loved my child and letting that being okay with that and being like, if that's all I did today, it's like, you know what? I really tried my best and I loved them, but that's okay. And just kind of creating that like softness in your heart for yourself as you navigate like parenthood. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kelly. And where can our listeners find you? So if you want to meditate with me, we, I have a podcast called Mindful in Minutes. I also have one called Meditation Mama, which is for um, fertility, prenatal, and postnatal meditations. Um, but they're all kind of guided meditations. So you can listen to my voice and I will lead you through a little practice. There's like over 400 to choose from. So we can hang out there and meditate together if you want. Otherwise, I'm a millennial woman. So I'm over on Instagram. My handle is at yoga for you online. And then um, my website, yoga for you online.com has all of the, the different things. So you can always go there and just click around until you find what you're looking for. Oh gosh. Thank you so much, Kelly. This just was so much fun and I learned a ton. I'm sure our listeners did well. And we're just so grateful that you shared this information with all of us. So thank you again. 
Oh, and thank you so much for sharing this time with me and letting me share what I love with, with all of you. Oh my gosh, absolutely. We, yes, so grateful. And it's obvious your passion and your knowledge, and we can't wait to start implementing it now back to school and forevermore. Because yes, mama knows I, I definitely need some more mindfulness and meditation <laughs> in my life. <laughs> we, we all do. Yes. Amen. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Kelly, as she said, you can find her online at yogaforyouonline.com or on Instagram at yogaforyouonline. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to finding your Zen mama.